Well, we've been in this sermon series on the Lord's Prayer called Teach Us to Pray. And this is a really good time to remind all of us that the only way to get better at prayer is by actually praying. We could have amazing discussions about prayer in our life groups and microgroups, but unless and until we actually pray, church, we'll never truly understand the amazing gift of prayer. The greatest thing anyone can do for God and man, someone said, is to pray. Now, it's not the only thing, but it is the chief thing. The great people today are the people who pray. Now, I do not mean those who talk about prayer, nor those who say they believe in prayer, nor yet those who could explain prayer, but I mean those people who take time to pray. So we're going to anchor ourselves again in the, the passage that Jesus taught us to pray. It's Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 to 13. And you'll see it on your screen, but this morning, church, I'm wondering if we could just pray this prayer, how we need this prayer this morning. Matthew 6, 9, 13. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom, your kingdom, your rule, your reign of justice. Come and let your will, your perfect sovereign will be done on earth as it is done in heaven. And now give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil oh so we've been making our way through each petition of the lord's prayer and Church, as we've seen, there's a lot there, so much to ponder. And today we come to the fourth petition, give us today our daily bread. You know, after the Korean War ended in 1953, South Korea was left with a large number of children who had been orphaned by the war. Very few Korean families were left unscathed by this tragic war and we've seen the same thing in the vietnam conflict in bosnia and other places in the case of korea relief agencies came in to deal with all the problems that arose in connection with having so many orphan children and as the relief workers began working with the children in these orphanages they immediately encountered a problem see even though the children had Three meals a day provided for them. They were restless and anxious at night and had difficulty sleeping. As these relief workers talked to the children, they soon discovered that the children had great anxiety about whether they would have food for the next day. And to help resolve this problem, the relief workers in one particular orphanage decided that each night, when the children were put to bed, the nurses would place a single piece of bread in each child's hand. 
And the bread was intended to not be eaten. It was simply intended to be held by the children as he went to sleep. It was a security blanket of sorts for them, reminding them that there would be provision for their daily needs. And sure enough, the bread calmed the children's anxieties and helped them sleep, knowing that there will be bread for tomorrow was all that these children needed to be able to rest and sleep. One of the most basic human fears is that of not having enough. Can any of you relate to that? And even as I say that, there are some of you who might be getting emotional because this was you growing up. You grew up wondering if there would be enough bread for tomorrow, and that fear never left you. And even as an adult with your own family now, you worry and wonder, will there be enough for tomorrow for me and my family? And we're managing now, but what about the future? What, what if I lose my job? What if the kids get sick? What if I'm unable to work? How will we survive? One of the deepest and most crippling fears for many, if not all of us, is the fear of not having enough. That basic human fear can destroy a sense of joy in the present and erode hope for the future. Here's the amazing news, church. In this fourth petition that we're so familiar with, Jesus is teaching us that prayer can help release us from that fear. To pray, give us our daily bread, is to pray for deliverance from the fear that there will not be enough. An ancient second century Syriac translation for this petition goes like this. Give us today the bread that never runs out. Give us bread today, Father, that never runs out. Does this include bread for today? It does. Does it also include bread for tomorrow? By all means. Will it be enough to keep us alive? It will. So when we pray this petition, here's what we're essentially praying. Deliver us, O Lord from the fear of not having enough. Give us bread for today, and with it, give us confidence that tomorrow we will have enough. Church, before I go on, can, can we all pray that together? Because that's what we're praying. It'll be on the screen. Deliver us, O Lord, from the fear of not having enough. Give us bread for today. And with it, give us confidence that tomorrow we will have enough. We've said just about every week that the beginning of the Lord's Prayer, the first three petitions are all about God. First, we begin the prayer by addressing our Heavenly Father, right? Then we pray that God's name, not ours, would be hallowed. And that means we pray for all of creation to see the character, the worth, and the value of God, that they might adore him and obey him. Then we pray that his will, not our will, be done. 
on earth as it is done in heaven. And then we pray for his kingdom, his rule and reign to be made manifest. This means we pray for justice and truth and peace to abound in the kingdom of God on earth in the way that justice and truth and peace abounds where God dwells in heaven and how we desperately need to pray this today. Then we come to petitions four through six. Now, some people have said that the first three petitions are about God and the second three petitions are about us. Let me say this clearly here. All the petitions are about God. Amen? Petitions four through six are not some random, isolated request, church. Our God who asks so much of us knows that we cannot fulfill petitions one through three without his help and provision. So our requests for daily bread, forgiveness of sins, and deliverance from evil are not selfish demands. Instead, they're understood as God's provision for me to fulfill my kingdom assignments. That is the hollowing of his name, the advancement of his kingdom priorities, and the radical doing of his will. If you miss that, you miss the whole point of the Lord's Prayer. So here's what we're going to do. Okay? We're, we're going to spend the next two weeks on the fourth petition. Give us today our daily bread. And the outline will be actually pretty simple and clear. We're going to literally go and take each word of this petition and see what they mean and how we can apply them to our lives. Okay? So today we're going to look at the last word and the first word of this petition, bread and give. And the next week we'll look at the words daily and are. So today, give us today our daily bread. What are we asking for when we ask for bread? Well, bread was and is the staple food for Middle Eastern culture. In most parts of the world, bread or rice symbolizes that food which sustains us daily. We can make it without coffee or chocolate. I promise you, we really can, okay? And we can make it without Facebook and Netflix or new clothes. But we simply cannot make it without bread. Jesus even says to the devil in the wilderness, what? People do not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus does not say we can live without bread. Without bread, we eventually die. Bread is daily sustenance. Now, over the years, various biblical commentators have said different things about what Jesus meant by bread here. Now, there are those who have spiritualized this phrase in various ways. For example, many in the early church were so dumbfounded that God would teach us to pray about the needs of our life that in the first few centuries of the church, it was common to allegorize the prayer for daily bread to somehow be about the Lord's Supper. Another example of those who spiritualize bread are those who say that the bread Jesus refers to here is the word of God. Uh, Jesus himself did say, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God, right? And, and this, of course, is true. Every single day we do need the word of God. But I'm not convinced that this is the reference that Jesus is making here either. And then some people have said that Jesus is actually referring to himself when he talks about the bread. 
After all, Jesus said in John 6, 35, I am what? The bread of life. Who comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes me will never be thirsty. Now, let me be absolutely clear. These are all true, and we need all of these daily. We absolutely cannot live apart from the Word of God and Jesus. Amen, and a thousand times over. But here's why I think those interpretations that try to spiritualize this phrase kind of misses the mark, and it's the context. What does Jesus preach on right after the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6? We find Jesus' longest treatment on worry, right? Where he says, don't worry about what? What you will eat and drink and about your body, what you will wear. For your Heavenly Father knows that you need them. In other words, your Heavenly Father cares about your basic material needs for daily survival. And by the way, some people have, you know, asked, well, what about mental, emotional, and spiritual needs? I, I think that's what petitions five and six are all about. See, prayer for forgiveness is about relief from what? Guilt and condemnation, mental and emotional needs. And prayer for deliverance from temptation and evil is about provision for our spiritual needs, right? So, so what Jesus is referring to here as bread, I think is pretty straightforward. Bread is everything that we need for daily sustenance, beginning with food and drink and clothes and shelter. And this fourth petition is a request for our Heavenly Father to meet life's most basic concerns, life's most basic necessities. And Jesus says, ask for that. Now, real quick sidebar. I know I'm talking to a bunch of Americans. So this needs to be said. In this petition, we ask for bread and not cake. And I love me some cake. But in this prayer, we are asking for that which sustains life, not all its extras. And in a consumeristic, materialistic culture that we live in, come on, church. We often confuse that which we need for daily sustenance and that which is extra. And by the way, you'll really struggle with this if you only hang around people just like you and compare yourself to people like you, which is why being in community with people who are not like us is so critical. So much of what we think is basic necessities in our lives, the rest of the world would look at us and say, you kidding me? And by the way, listen to yourself the next time you begin a sentence with the words, I need. Pay attention to what comes next, okay? It's really a sobering exercise. Uh, okay, sidebar, over. Now let me ask you a question. Do you find it interesting that this is what Jesus says you should ask for first? Now, let's be honest. I think if we were to make a list of things we can ask God for, I don't know if things we need for daily sustenance, life's most basic concerns would be at the top, right? Don't we just assume that that'll be there? For many listening to Jesus that day, this absolutely would have been the first thing they would have thought about. See, this is a hand-to-mouth culture where it wasn't a given that you were going to have bread that day. 
Frankly, it wasn't even a given that you would have job the next day. Think about how many of Jesus' parables dealt with what? Day laborers. And this is still true for billions of people around the world today. Last most basic necessities are not givens. So praying for daily bread is very real for billions of people. And this has huge implications for why Jesus used the plural in the Lord's Prayer, give us this day our daily bread. Now watch this. Yes, whether we realize it or not, we are absolutely dependent on God for our daily survival. But the bread the Lord provides for us isn't just for us. God supplies our bread so that we can share with others in need. That's what we're praying. In praying this petition, we're saying, Father, use me to become the answers to my own prayers. And we're going to get to that more next week when we look at our. That's huge. So what's Jesus teaching us about prayer from this word bread? Why does Jesus say start by praying about life's most basic concerns, basic necessities, right? I mean, how ordinary, how trivial. But that's the point. Because this is who you're praying to. Right now, he's upholding the trillions of stars in the universe by the power of his word. Yes, even as you sit and drink your coffee in the comforts of your own home, he is sustaining every organ of 7.6 billion people on earth. That is your heavenly father. And yet, and yet, he cares about the most ordinary matters in our lives. If praying for bread seems too trivial to bother God with, look at the life of Jesus. Jesus gives us an insight into what God thinks about the things that seem too trivial, right? He provides wine, wine for those celebrating at a wedding feast. He provides food for those who are hungry, and he provided rest for those who were weary. He cares about your personal, practical, material needs. The Father whom we come to know in Jesus is interested in, hello, concerned about our most basic concerns, life's most basic necessities. This is who your Heavenly Father is. Is this good news to anybody? Come on, somebody. And Jesus makes this clear in Matthew 6. He says with compassion, not with harsh judgment, don't worry about what you will eat or drink or wear. The pagans run after all these things, but your heavenly Father knows that you need them. So seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added unto you. In other words, you take care of my things, and I'll take care of your things, which includes life's most basic concerns most basic necessities. And this truth is woven throughout Scripture. I love J.B. Phillips' translation of 1 Peter chapter 5 or 7. So humble yourselves under God's strong hand, and in his own good time, he will lift you up. Check this out. You can throw the whole weight of your anxieties upon him, for you are his personal concern. You 
are his personal concern. I am God's personal concern. Say that with me. I am God's personal concern. You are God's personal concern. The one who knows the number of hair on your head, the one who knows how many tears have come down your cheeks, says that you are his personal concern. So he says, pray for bread. He cares about every detail of your life, child of God. He cares that your basic concerns, your basic necessities be met. This is who we are praying to. And and this is super important as we come to the other word, the first word, which is what? Give us today our daily bread. In teaching us to pray, give us, Jesus was reminding us of something and inviting us to something. First, Jesus is reminding us of a powerful truth which I'll just briefly touch on today because it's the focal point of next Sunday. Church, when you say give us, it presupposes that we are dependent on someone to do the giving. Come on. You don't say, so, you don't say to someone, give us, if you can get it on your own. Right? This petition reminds us of our utter dependence on God for everything including bread. Come on. If we were capable of getting on our own, we would need to ask God to what? Give us. The reason why we pray give us is because Jesus wants to remind us that we are dependent on the giver for every good gift. What we have is not by the strength of our hands. Some of you need to hear this. Some of you need to hear this. Everything that we have is by the strength of his hands. Every good and perfect gift, every good and perfect gift comes from above. And I pray, give us, we are acknowledging our total and utter dependence on God for life's most basic concerns. In Deuteronomy, which we'll look at more next week, chapter 8, right after Moses teaches God's people that man does not live on bread alone, he reminds God's people not to boast about the prosperity that they would experience in the promised land. And Moses says in Deuteronomy 8, 17, you may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. And church, if you realize that it is not us who generates our daily bread, hello somebody, our sustenance, but God, you'll live your entire life from the perspective that everything you have belongs to him. And you and I are simply stewards. God gives and God takes away. And he is the sustainer of all of life. How would your lives be different if we really realize what we're praying when we say, give us? 
And teaching us to pray, give us. Jesus wasn't just reminding us of something, but he was also inviting us to something. See, one of the biggest mistakes you can make is thinking that the Lord's prayer is encouraging passivity about prayer. You know, it's a mindset that goes something along the lines of this. Well, God's God, and God's going to do what God's going to do. God, after all, even says, pray, your will be done. So what's the whole point of praying? And as we've seen throughout this series, the point of praying is that in God's mysterious wisdom, he has granted us the unspeakable privilege, right, of partnering with him into fulfilling his purposes in the world. There is a connection, a correlation between our prayers and the unleashing of God's supernatural power that impacts the earthly realm. So rather than encouraging passivity, the Bible contains what can only be called astonishing promises of what prayer can unleash. Matthew 21, 21, Jesus replied, Truly I tell you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you can say to this mountain, go, throw yourself into the sea and it will be done. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for, whatever you ask for in prayer. Did you know that Jesus actually tells you to go and shamelessly, rudely bug God with your needs? Do you know that? Jesus told a number of parables about prayer, right? And one of these actually is in Luke chapter 11, right after his teaching on the Lord's Prayer. And in the parable, Jesus tells a story about a man who bothers his neighbor for some bread in the middle of the night because a, a friend of his has come from out of town. But it's midnight and the neighbor doesn't want to be bothered. But eventually he does get up and Jesus says, verse 8, I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of your friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. And then verse 9, Jesus says, so I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Jesus is inviting us to go after God this way. Go after him shamelessly. Go after him with shameless audacity. Is that how you pray? Is that how you pray? And this principle is not just in the New Testament, church. Verse after verse in the Old Testament affirms this truth. Isaiah 62, 6. You who call on the Lord, give yourselves no rest. But verse 7, and give him no rest until he establishes Jerusalem and makes her the praise of the earth. Over and over again, verse after verse, the Bible says, no matter how basic, no matter how ordinary or trivial, go after God shamelessly, constantly about everything. The Bible isn't encouraging passivity when we pray. Ask, seek, knock, give us. The Apostle Paul says in Ephesians, what? Our God is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. 
The amazing promise of God is, I'm going to give you astonishing things, mind-numbing things. I will do all kinds of things for you in response to your prayer. Isaiah 65, 24, I will answer them before they even call to me. Man, while they're still talking about their needs, I will go ahead and answer their prayers. That's amazing. So here's my question to you, child of God. How are you responding to God's incredible invitation found in those words? Give us. The greatest tragedy in life are the prayers that go unanswered simply because they go unasked. Come on, somebody. God will not answer 100% of the prayers that we do not ask. No, that doesn't mean that God won't act in your life and in the world because you don't pray. Being the gracious God that he is, he often acts in your life and in the world, whether we pray or not. But James 4 says, you do not have because you do not what? Ask. You do not have because you do not ask. Asking is critical to God acting. Give us today our daily bread. Many of us have incredible burdens and problems that are just overwhelming us these days. Pressures that seem beyond our ability to survive. But we're not asking God for help. I mean, we tend to use prayer as a last resort, but God wants it to be our first line of defense. We'll pray when there's nothing else we can do, but God wants us to pray before we do anything at all. God can do anything, and he's just waiting for us to recognize his power and ask him. I've said this before, the only person who dares to wake up a king at 3 o'clock in the morning for a glass of water is the king's child. See, what would be rude and out of line and overly aggressive demandingness in anybody else is absolutely natural and normal and acceptable behavior for a child towards his parent. And Jesus says, be shameless. Go to God for everything, regularly, faithfully. Bring things before God that matter to you. Let me put it this way, okay? If you don't seem to care, why should God? If you don't seem to care enough to pray about it, why should God care? So three applications, and we're done. First, be specific in what you're asking for from God. Be specific in what you're asking from God. Why? I think many of us have a hard time seeing God's hand of provision in our lives because of the way we pray. What do I mean? We have a tendency to pray in general. Have you noticed that? Lord, bless me. What's that even mean? Lord, watch over me. What's that even mean? And here's the thing. When we pray in general, the only way we will see God's hand of provision is in general, right? In other words, most people don't know when God answers a prayer because they're praying very general prayers. So when you pray, 
be specific in your requests. Then what happens is we'll see specific answers to our prayers. I highly encourage something like prayer journals where you can keep track of prayers that you're praying, as well as when and how God answered those prayers. See, there's something about being able to see when and how God answered prayers that does something to our faith, right? So first, be specific, not general, when you pray. Secondly, don't be afraid of praying something that isn't God's will. Don't be afraid of praying something that isn't God's will. What do I mean? I struggle with. Does anybody else? See, sometimes what, happens, what hinders me from praying, especially bold prayers, is that I'm afraid of praying something that might not be in line with what God wants. See, I know my heart. I know that there's selfish ambition in there. I know that there's desire for status and for fame in there. I know that there's longing for worldly control and false sense of security in there. I know that many times it's about my name and my fame and not God's name and God's fame. I also know that many times I want my will to be done and not God's will to be done. Does anybody else struggle with this? But see, this is why the order of praying that Jesus taught us in the Lord's Prayer is so important, right? Because right before this petition is what? Let your will be done. In other words, Father, if it's not your will, then don't answer it. If it's not your will, then don't answer it. We've already prayed that. And if you pray that sincerely, then we don't have to be afraid of praying something that isn't God's will. Because if it's not God's will, then he won't what? He won't answer it. So shamelessly and boldly bring your request to God, trusting that if it's not God's will, he won't answer it. But if it is God's will, you know that there is not a single thing that God wills for you, that you have ever asked for, that God refuses to give you. That's never happened, child of God. So don't let the fear of praying something that might not be God's will keep you from praying bold prayers. If it's God's will, he'll answer it. If it's not, then he won't. Right? And lastly, maybe most important for today, remember that Father knows best. Say that with me. Father knows best. Even though we know that God doesn't answer prayers that are outside of his will, but does answer every prayer within his will, we can still struggle with God's no, right? And God's not yet. I mean, who among us has not struggled with unanswered prayer? So how do we make sense of God inviting us to come to him with shameless audacity, promising to give us everything we ask for, and then seemingly saying no or not yet? I'm going to have to use a family illustration because prayer is about family, right? I know that, that having been a father of three kids, children ask for a lot of things all the time. That's what children do. And oftentimes what children ask for are things that are either harmful to them or dangerous to them. Parents? Parents? Anybody? Anybody? But because they're children and they've limited knowledge, they'll ask away anyway, right? Now, what does a good parent do? What does a good parent do for a five-year-old who asks for firecrackers to play with? You know what a good parent will do? 
Good parents will not give them the item, but will respond to the need. A good parent will say, I'm not going to give you firecrackers because people's fingers have been blown off playing with firecrackers. But I know why you want to play with firecrackers. It's because you're bored. So let's do something about that. You see, a good parent will not give the item, but will respond to the need. And Jesus is saying that your heavenly father is very much the same way. See, your heavenly father will not always give you what you ask for, but watch, he will always respond to the need. Or to say it differently, what God denies in kind, he will give you in value. If you ask God for something that he doesn't want you to have, he'll give you something in value that is what you really need. And in that sense, he always answers our prayers. Let me give you an example, okay? Why do we ask for relationships? We ask for relationships is because we're lonely and we want to be with someone. And that's not a bad thing. In fact, it's a God-given need for love and intimacy and friendship, right? But here's what God knows. Your Heavenly Father knows that we often use relationships as cheap substitutes to mask a deeper need in our souls. And that is a longing to be embraced, a longing for deep connection. And because He's your Heavenly Father and He loves you, He'll not give us something that will be a cheap substitute that will lead to greater emptiness and despair. Come on, does anybody know what I'm talking about? How many of us have used relationships as cheap substitutes? And like a loving parent, your father won't give you the item you ask for, but he'll respond to the need. What God denies in kind, he'll give you in value. That is something way more gratifying, way more satisfying than any relationship this world has to offer. And that is the gift of himself. God will bring you to a place where you can say, Father, you are enough for me. You are what I need more than anything else. Nothing else satisfies the ravenous hunger of my soul like you. And it is only when the love of Jesus satisfies the deepest need of your soul that you won't use relationships as a cheap substitute. And you know what you'll do? You'll make wise decisions about who you date and when you date and what relationships you pursue. Are you someone who's struggling with unanswered prayer today? My question is, how are you responding to that child of God? Are you responding by saying, all I know is that my father loves me. And when I obey him, it always seems to work out. So I'm going to trust him. Or are you responding by saying, I don't understand why this is happening. And until I know why, until I got some explanation, how can anybody expect me to be passionate about God? How are you responding, child of God? Do you know which kind of children are the closest to the Father's heart? 
It's the ones who know that they're children. It's the ones who don't insist they know it all. It's the ones who say, I'm just a child. So I'm going to trust you, Father. Because then they're not children anymore. They're on their way to adulthood. In some situations, you're going to have to say, Father, give us! But I know that if I don't get the item that I asked for, I don't expect, I don't demand an explanation. Father, I die to my right to an explanation. You know what I need. Father, you promise to supply all of our needs. And that means what I don't have right now, I don't need right now. Because you never deny us our heart's desire except to give us something better. So I'll trust you. I'll trust you. This is the best paraphrase of Romans chapter 8, verse 28, I've ever heard. God will always give you everything that you would have asked for if you do everything he knew. God will give you everything you would have asked for if you knew everything that he knew. So go to God boldly. Go to God with shameless audacity. Bug, bother your heavenly Father with what's on your heart. And then say, but I trust you. I trust you. Church, will you pray with me? Let's pray together. Before I pray, I just want to give you some space this morning just to listen to God. You know, instead of me telling you what to pray for, like I sometimes do, I'm just feeling led to have you just listen to what your Heavenly Father is saying to you this morning through this message. So take a moment to do that. Heavenly Father, you are a good, good Father. What an incredible invitation it is that we can come to you with shameless audacity and we can bug you, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. That we can bother you in the middle of the night and to know that you'll listen and that you'll hear because we are your sons and daughters. You're beloved and you are our Heavenly Father. Father, I pray for anyone this morning carrying enormous burdens who have for whatever reasons not come to you for help. 
Father, will you gently and compassionately remind him that you care and that you desire for us to bring you our burdens. Regardless of how small or trivial or unimportant they seem, remind them that they are your personal concern. They are your personal concern. I also pray this morning for those who are struggling with unanswered prayers. Unanswered prayers for justice. Unanswered prayers for healing, for a new job, for a relationship. Unanswered prayers for a pregnancy. Father, it's so hard to trust you when we're in pain. But Father, will you help us remember that you gave us your one and only Son, the greatest gift. And if you were willing to do that, what good things would you withhold from those who call you Father? So in the midst of our confusion and pain, incline our hearts to trust you. And finally, train our eyes Father, to see that every good and perfect gift comes from you, the Father of lights. Fill our hearts with gratitude and thanksgiving for all that we have. Everything that we have comes from you. So help us to be good stewards of all that you have entrusted to us. Teach us to come to you in a spirit of humble dependence. In Jesus' mighty, powerful name we pray. Amen. Amen. And now, church, receive this benediction as we go forth today. You are God's servants, gifted with dreams and visions. Upon you rests the grace of God like flames of fire. Love and serve the Lord in the strength of the Spirit. May the deep peace of Christ be with you. The strong arms of God sustain you and the power of the Holy Spirit strengthen you in every way. Lord willing, church family, we will see each other again. <laughs>